Hello, my friends. Today, Joel is talking to Garrett, the CTO of Rave.io, and they discuss how Rave has created an AI-powered DJ and how to grow excellent leaders from within your organization. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. So I'm curious to know about Rave. Like, what does Rave do? Tell me about it. So Rave is kind of a this mix of two things. Um, the first thing we did was we wanted to bring people together to watch media and chat in perfect sync. So it's kind of this idea that like when we used to be kids, we used to all come around the TV at 7 p.m. on a Tuesday night and we'd watch the TV show, whatever that was. And we'd laugh, we'd chat. And we kind of talked about it while we're watching it. So we want to kind of recreate that similar experience, but in the generation of the Gen Zs and the millennials. So we created this experience where people can come around from around the world on iOS, Android, and VR and watch Netflix together, uh, YouTube, Viki, content and chat and VoIP in this seamless, rich environment. Um, so that's what we first did. And we've been growing that out. Um, and about two years ago, we started down this road of to kind of answer this question, like, can you create or can you make music with artificial intelligence and machine learning? And after about two years R&D, we've kind of got to the place where we're creating really interesting content from YouTube videos like a proper DJ would. So anytime you go to a club, you get this really cool experience where the music's transitioning, you're getting fun drops, you're getting cool transitions. We're using technology to create that same experience for your everyday life. So when you're at the gym, when you're working, when you're going for a run, when you're driving, when you're having a party, when you're having a barbecue on the weekend, you can have this really great music experience without having to like just put a Spotify playlist and getting silence every three minutes. That's interesting. You've, that's actually like really cool. It's like your own little DJ. That's exactly what it is. It is your own personal artificial intelligence DJ that just seamlessly mixes music for you. So now I want, if I download rave right now, I can do this. Yeah. So if you can download rave, you can do the social viewing. Um, you can go to our current, our current AI site, AI DJ site and make mashups, which was our first foray into this to kind of prove out the technology and prove out the market. So this, this new form of technology will mix up to 500 YouTube tracks. So I could do artists from Spotify. So if I have a Spotify, it'll inter- integrate my Spotify. Yeah. If you have a spot, if you have a favorite Spotify playlist, like a uh, hip hop central or chill lounge or a rock, a rock playlist, you can give it to our system and it'll go off and it'll do all of its magic to like break the song apart, do all the music information retrieval and then put it back together like an actual DJ would. Get out of here. Dude. All right. That's what it does. How can I invest? (laughs) Um, Your other thing's cool, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah, we're going to all watch video together. Like that's, that's okay. But this is like what everybody in the world wants for their barbecue. Yes. This is what everyone wants for their house party. This is what people want when they're running on a treadmill. Yeah, I go to the, my 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 gym clothes are in the other room right there. Yeah. I go to the gym in the morning and I change into my nice monkey suit and then yeah. 
So when you're at the gym, it's just really frustrating to get this like silence every three and a half minutes. So this just keeps the energy going. It's, I don't think for me, it's not that. That's okay. not the selling. That's not the selling point for me. That's I don't care about yours? the silence. I don't have okay. silence. Pandora blends it together perfectly for me from end okay. of song, end of song. Um, I don't use, I don't have a lot of Spotify going on right now, but mostly Pandora at the gym and it has that nice transition between yep. songs. But that's not the, the same as when I want the, when you listen to a nice DJ mix stuff, that's a whole just different experience. And the only way it you is. can get that now is when the DJs go through and make their mixes. But then you have to listen, like, then you have to go hunt down that DJ. Yep. And then they only have so many songs mixed and they're yep. always mixed the same way. So it's the same yep. pattern all the time. And I want like fresh DJ. I want a personal DJ on demand like all the yeah. time. Just mixing music for Joel. Like, you know, that's what I want. Yeah. So this is, this is basically that product for you. That's, that's the sell, man. That's, that's the point where I'm like, I would, I would have downloaded it and paid for it right now. Like literally. And then I would no longer, like, I know that there was a big push where I, Apple music, Amazon, I think it was Amazon too, but I know it was Apple Music, Pandora and Spotify all released APIs and they said, start mashing stuff up and start doing stuff with this. And that was really interesting to me. Yes. And so it looks like you guys have taken advantage of that. Well, we've actually had to do everything from the ground up because even the technology, the tools that uh, like Spotify gives access to through their API isn't rich enough to pull apart music at such a granular level. With not a lot of work, you can generate seven hours of just great DJ sounding audio. Wait, so I have to do work? You, you just have to choose the music. Right now, you choose the music because that's the, that's the interesting part. So you choose what you want to listen to. And then we go off and we mix it. But I could pick a playlist though. So I don't have to like... You can pick a playlist. So if you like an EDM playlist, like one of my things, one of the things I like to do is I'll just go onto the site. I'll go to, I'll go to the YouTube search. I'm like EDM. And I'll choose like a really popular EDM playlist from YouTube. And it produces really good results. I'm happy with it. That's what I want to listen to. It's it's clean. It's simple. But if I want a rock one, I'll go. Okay, give me a rock one. Okay, so do do you, who else do, do? Do other people do this? There's a couple of people who are doing this at a simpler level. Um, we're going a little bit farther, where we're actually cutting up the songs. We're looking for the actual like the key points that a DJ looks for, like looking for their crescendo for the for the drop finding the right place to drop, finding the chorus, finding the verse, looping, uh, looping parts, uh, manipulating it in, in small and intricate ways so it actually works better together. Um, doing all of this, all of these things that actual DJ do, does, but at Dude, a, you're, you're AIing a DJ here. Yeah, that is, that is what we're doing. We're, we're really making it clean and simple for people to create great sounding music with, artificial intelligence. All right. Let's see if DJ.ai exists as an available domain name. <laughs> Have you tried to buy that I one yet? I think it's too short. Two letter ones seem to be not really friendly. Not really friendly. Yeah. But you probably get like D E E J A Y. Yeah. Something like that. DJ DJ AI. Oh man. I think I'm quitting the podcast and now <laughs> DJ.ai is my new name and I'm going to run around as DJ. <laughs> I might have to see if I can get that name first. 
No, it's, it's my brand, man. <laughs> CTO value. Tell me about the size of your team. What are you doing? Do you crack a whip or do you put out sugar cubes? How do you run your people? It's <laughs> a really interesting question. So we're about 10 people right now spread across both platforms. About half and half right now with uh, the AIDJ kind of growing a little bit more. Um, I'm kind of the quiet CTO who I don't crack whips. I kind of just lead with working through problems with people and walking them through what their issues are and what their challenges are and kind of just being the, the quiet reserve technology person. I would have, that's how I describe. When they come to you with the human problems, right? Yes. The he said, she said type deals. Like how do you deal with that? Those are, those are my least favorite. Those are my least favorite problems. I know for the quiet person, they're not engineering problems. No, they're not there, but you can still kind of approach them as engineering problems. If you think about them as like questions to work through, like why, why do you think this? What, what is the actual problem here to dig down? Like to what is kind of the root cause? There is a root cause when you're dealing with people. And frankly, like honestly, I'm not good at that yet. I'm still figuring it out. And I kind of, I, I rely on the founder to also help with that. Like it's not just me being responsible. For that. Like it's a small enough team where we're both part of that conversation. Who do you see as like the next? You have a you have your team. You're clearly identifying different people's strengths and weaknesses. Yep. Right now, there's someone that you see. Like if you had if your team grew by ten or twenty, who is that person? that you're thinking of that you know would be a leader because you have to structure teams of teams. Right now, it's all nice and chill because it's about 10 people. So you haven't had to split off to where you have direct reports necessarily. But when that does happen, when you do get that check in San Francisco this week, you have someone on your radar to, to be a leader of, of teams, right? Yeah. So we have um, our Android lead right now. Uh, he He's a really interesting guy. He started out as a, as a junior Android developer and it just, he stuck with us and kind of grow into this role and he really takes passion for the project. And he really, he really, he really knows how to think, think things through and figure out what are the important things without me having to kind of walk him through, like, this is what needs to be done this week. He kind of can self identify, which is that's the best really an important trait that I look for in people being able to find like what is the biggest problem we have this week. And he will just go off and he'll, he'll work with, he has one co-op right now. Cause we kind of, we haven't found another person like him really. And they're, they're tough to find. They're, they're really tough to find. Um, you can train them. Do you know that? You can, you can train them. Um, yeah. He kind of is just naturally falling into that role. And he's, um, he's actually starting to take on I, uh, that role on iOS as well. Yeah. So he's you know, but I'm saying like to the position. Do you know, did you know that you can actually train your other people? Like you have the 10 and there's probably not all of them, but probably there's three, two or three that you would identify to train. What's that person's name? Who's the senior Android lead right now? Uh, Colin. Colin. All right. So if you had like four more Collins, would that be beneficial to your company? I, I wouldn't say no to that. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I can't. You can't. I, I can't say no to that. <laughs> you can't say no to that. All right. So if you have, so you can train people to do those things that you like that Colin does. It just takes time. Like it doesn't yes. come easy. You no. have to, you have to identify what makes 
just like you're doing with the DJ AI, you identify how a DJ chooses to transition and how all that stuff happens. You do the same thing, but if you understand what makes you really like calling the self-identifying and being able to get the priority and then lead others to work on it and accomplish it, you can take not all your people, but you can take a couple of them and teach them how to do that. And now you have three call-ins at your company. This falls into kind of a, it's a half PM or product manager job and a half a developer job because being able to identify what the weaknesses are of a product, what are the strengths, where, where are we kind of falling down traditionally is uh, a product manager, a product manager role. So how are you guys kind of identifying those skills and teaching those skills for developers? So what we're, right. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're taking the skills that make the best people the best. And the, one of the base skills is self-discipline. Another skill, because I mean, if you can make yourself sit down and do something you don't want to do, that's the most useful skill in life. You can do anything you want. Yeah. You can learn anything. You learn physics and become a rock yeah. scientist. You can do anything you want. Um, so that's like a fundamental skill. We also found that there are people who are quiet, but they're ready to be leaders. They're hungry. They may be pursuing it outside of work, but then it's like, how do you communicate that to your leader? Like if, if you have another individual that's not Colin come up to you and say, Hey, Garrett, I'm ready to be a leader. What do you say back to them? Like, what do you know? Like, what's your response back to them? Cause I've never had that happen. I'm kind of working it through. I'm kind of working it through in my head. Good. If that was where they're interested, I would probably take the kind of approach that one of my mentors took with me and the co-chair of the, of the CNIB Youth Council. He really kind of, he, we put, we put, we we're in that role and he would be there to support and he pushed us into a couple ideas that were kind of crucial to his mentality for leadership, servant leadership. Like what are the, what are the books? What are the like kind of ideas? to start learning and kind of growing as a leader to kind of identify the skills that really matter when it comes to leadership. Um, that's kind of where I would start directing people. Like what, cause being a leader means a lot of different things. Like if you're looking at John Maxwell's five levels of leadership, you have everything from positional as kind of the first level leadership, which, which really you have a hard time getting people to do things to level five leadership, which it's takes a long time to get, but it's really, it's really powerful and it's all about building relationships. Um, so I would kind of start pushing people into how to, how to identify the skills that they need to, to learn, to develop, to develop as a leader, instead of just a manager develop into a leader who can get people to do things that go above and beyond what is what is required and what is kind of the norm. Okay, so you would suggest some leadership content, like you would suggest yeah. some books. If I said, if I yeah. said, Garrett, I want to be a leader here, you would say, okay, here are some books. And then I would be expected to go off, learn the books, and then uh, come learn back the to books. Learn, Not learn the books, but start, because you don't have to be put in a power, a, a leadership position to start expressing leadership. Ah, yes. Thank you. All right. You don't have to do that. It's, it's like how like developers can become CTOs, but not all developers should become leaders or managers. Not everyone's built for that. Um, but I kind of think the keys, the, the key for when a developer becomes a CTO or a VP or a director 
is they kind of start being leaders of their own team without having any of the positional power. Because positional power is the lowest form of leadership and the easiest form of leadership. But when you when you don't have that and then you're developing and you're getting people to do things at the same level as you, that's really powerful. That's that's really the thing that I want to look for and like I want to see in people who are self-identifying as leaders. Yes. Yeah, so you re- they come to you and yep. you they say, I have an interest to be leaders. You explain to them that first you have to be able to lead yourself into before you can lead others. And you don't necessarily have to be in a position, uh, a title of leadership in order to lead. Right. Often you'll find leaders sometimes happen unintentionally where everyone's just like, Oh, he's the leader. He doesn't have the title, but everybody listens to that person. Yeah. Right. Because they're, they're content experts. They're maybe they're content experts. Maybe they just have experience. Maybe they, they're just willing to make a decision. And sometimes it just comes down to as simple as they're willing to make a decision and kind of own that, own that decision and kind of move forward. In some projects, that, that can be enough. So then they go back and they read and they start learning about leadership things leadership skills, what's important, different, maybe making people feel heard, understanding, being decisive, like you said, thinking macro and understanding priorities, all these different concepts that if you were to read a hundred leadership books, the same 50, 60 lessons, which same ideas, all the same ideas ideas stated differently. Right. Yeah. So then they come back to you and they said, okay, I've read it all. Like I read, I read 10 books. I've got all the ideas. It's been three weeks. I've been just grinding outside of work. I'm ready to be a leader. So then I'd probably find, uh, I don't know how this, how well this worked for, for us. Um, but if we were bigger, if we we're in a bigger, if we were in a, a state where we had a lot of smaller stuff to do, that was not like, I'm talking about a month to two months worth of two people, three people work. I might set them up with those two, those two people, not really give either anybody leadership, but see if he kind of takes, if that person kind of takes ownership over the product and can really grow into a role without actually being put into it. I might, I might give them the, I might give them the lead role. I don't, I don't know. It's kind of circumstantial whether or not I want to, I want if they can demonstrate to me that they, they can actually successfully lead people and, and accomplish the goal that they're kind of being set. Nice. So you give them a small leadership task by pairing them with somebody yep. and then you kind of see how they pair with somebody. Even if it's just a co-op, um, a co-op yeah. can be a great experience because you're having to, you're having to teach, you're having to deal with um, somebody who might not have as much experience as you. And how you kind of treat that person, work with that person can be really telling sometimes. And how they can figure out like, and even prioritize the, the other person's development. Because an, an important part of leadership is um, really being able to develop the people around you. De- and not just in terms of leadership skills, but also in terms of development skills, interpersonal skills. I think everything's leadership. Everything's leadership. <laughs> yeah. But like developing other people's skills. Well, you're raising the standards of what is yeah. acceptable to you. And if, if I go in, one of the things I talk about often is like, how do you become a leader instantly, right? If I go in and I'm working with my peers and I set my standards above everybody else's and push myself harder than anybody else push, like I push myself internally harder than anybody yeah. else. I have my highest level of standard, but work still getting done, obviously. And like, 
I'm balancing productivity with perfection and I am always improving and working. That's going to, that's going to raise everybody up around me. Cause that's, there's this unspoken thing where everybody knows what is an acceptable amount of productivity on the team. Yep. Right. And so if the, if a new entity comes in and raises that, well, they just wrote, raised it for the whole entire team. So now you pair this person with another person and you see that, oh, this is pretty good. This is working well. And then so maybe, what do you do next? Then you kind of, then I would, I'd kind of like to follow along with them one-on-one, see how they're progressing, see what kind of problems they're running into, see if they're kind of identifying where their weaknesses are. And then, and then start moving them into, into other roles, like figuring out what they're really good at. Like if they're really good at, at just being dropped into a project and kind of taking control and, and fixing, fixing a product, or they're really good at the la- at taking projects from beginning to end, figuring out where they're good, where their, where their leadership kind of their style kind of shines and what they're, where they're strong, where they're strong. Cause not everyone That's is smart. good at the last 10%. I know I'm atrocious at, at doing projects and getting the last 10% of a project. I'm really good at the other part of it, but the, the detail work at the end, the last 10% is always the hardest. Um, polish, and it's yeah. really, yeah, the polish. And it's really, it's really good to have somebody on your team or a couple people on your team with, um, who are leaders and can really, really push that last 10% through, which is sometimes arguably the most important part. Okay. So I want you to imagine your day as a pie chart. Okay. And you're going to split it into a handful, just the top ones that come into your mind. What, how does that pie chart look? What are some of the biggest sections uh, that you're spending your time on? Like a daily, daily time. Daily. um, I'm spending probably about a quarter to a third of my day on still development. Okay. Um, I still, I still carve, I still have to carve out about that much on any given day to kind of do all the things I need to do. Are you like air traffic controllering? Like, air, well, I'm also, I'm also ops and the lead backend developer. Okay. So, what's the next slice? Next slice, kind, of, it would be probably uh, product manager PM for the various teams. That'd be probably okay. about a third of my day, if not more, on some days. Okay. Another part would be networking. Ooh, that's and a good one. Can, networking kind of biz dev. Gotta get that money. Ten percent. That's probably like ten percent of any given day. It's about seventy percent. Let's get that yeah. last. Yeah. Where do I spend the rest of my day? Creativity is okay. You have to yeah. have space between things. To, to be honest, that last 30 percent I save for um, forest fires. <laughs> You spend thirty percent of the day. You're a firefighter. Yeah. Some well, when it comes to just what can be thrown at me at a given day, like I don't always, I can't always predict what's going to happen on any given day. Life. We'll say life. But yeah, life. When it comes to to there's a crisis on our mobile platform. There's a crisis with or there's something we need to work through on the audio team that's going to take a lot more of my time there's, there's a crisis somewhere or there's something that really needs my attention that I kind of yeah. need that space to make sure that I can give, give enough time yeah. for that problem. Are you working like eight, 10, 12? Like are you working a lot? I don't really know how to define that because you just are always working. Or I'm, Cause it's, it's also a defined work. Am I at a computer for all that time? No. 
Am I listening to mixes? Am I using the app? Am I using our app? Am I listening to mixes just to see what are the things that are good with them? What are the things that are bad with them? Uh, you're always working. Product. Yeah, you're just kind of always paying attention to what's going on. And like when you're going, when you're testing mixes, like you're listening for like two, three, four hours for a bunch of different mixes. Yeah. So QA, QA takes a lot of time. So you spend, so we'll say, what, do you do that every day or weekly or uh, per every build? Couple days. Every couple days. Couple day. Every yeah, couple days. A lot of music to test. Yeah. You'll find that like some things work really well with the style and yeah, lots yeah. of thinking happen. Uh, yeah, like, all right. Where are, what are our weak points? Okay. So you have 10 people. Colin is really showing a few of these attributes yeah. that make your life easier. So if you had two or three more Collins, how would you do that? Would you, you would probably spend more time teaching the other people the skills, the fundamentals of what makes Colin Colin and not, not direct way. <laughs> right. But you would be teaching them skills that would be improving them. And better yet, if you had, I mean, that's what you'd be doing, right? Like yeah. if that's the best way I'm, I'm at, by the way, I've never done this with anybody before. I'm just going with my, this one out. I'm just kind of figuring this one out. Yeah. So I'm fishing. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So more Collins, you need more Collins. And then would it make sense? Here's a good question. Would it make sense to dedicate a small slice, maybe a 10 to 15% a day to teaching those people the skills and traits that make Colin so useful? Yeah. Should you invest in your people? I, I have to. It's, it's yeah. been one of the things that's been on my mind lately, but I'm not spent, like I'm spending enough time development side, like mm -hmm. spending enough time working through problems, all that normal stuff that you do as a CTO, all those technical problems working through like, what is the best way to, what is the best way to do X and why doesn't other things work? Like that's just standard, but it's the, it's that side that honestly, yeah, that that's been more on my mind, especially since I've been talking to more people being part of more CTO groups and kind of seeing more of that. It's definitely become more aware that that's where I'm kind of lacking and where I'm kind of weak. So one of the trends I found with talking to 100 CTOs in the past year, and everything from an individual CTO out of a garage to 10,000 employees, the ones that do better, they make the most of what they have. So some people will say, oh, well, I'll invest in my people or, oh, I'll get better leaders when we get to that stage. And I'm like, hold on a second, go talk to the people who are at the stage. The only way they got there was by getting 10 call-ins in their first 20 people. Yeah. You, don't get, you don't get to that, that stage without having a really tight, consolidated group of people. Like money doesn't solve this problem either. No, like, no it just makes the problem worse. Yeah, it 100% does. If you want a company to go out of business really fast, give them a bunch of money to artificially expand. I guess it's also the seeing and talking with other people and going over your problems to see, to have a different perspective too, right? Because that's another part that it's very hard to get in this, in this position. Like what is like having a good relationship with somebody who can kind of be there to bounce ideas off of that's not just, uh, that's actually kind of understands where you've been, 
kind of understands a little bit deeper of what the problems you've been facing the last six months. It's kind of a, it's a deeper relationship with people. Yeah. Than other communities I've seen. Like there's the, there's the online CTO form. I don't know. There's probably a couple thousand people on it and there's periodic emails that go out with general questions. We don't get a very good or deep answer for your specific problem and like your specific. Right. You don't really get a great answer there. You get a, you get all right answers, and if you kind of piece enough of it together, you can get something. Um, but you're not going to get like an honest, an honest, deep answer for some of the harder questions. Because like, you got to open yourself up. Yeah, you got to open yourself up and. As a technology leader, a lot of people, a lot of people I've seen, a lot of my friends, like we're typically more introverted, even though like we're leading teams. And that's yeah. sometimes hard for us. So putting putting people into a small group like that, so it might not be solving the entire problem that you're solving, but it is an important asset in the in the picture of developing CTOs. I, I honestly believe because it's... Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's very valuable. The, a mastermind group of your peers is the most valuable yes. thing ever. That doesn't make you more Collins. No, that doesn't... But it can help you. It helps identify some of the problems that you might be having when you're developing more Collins. That, oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be the answer, but it might, it might help you develop the confidence to be able to. Right. Because that well, can be a here, big thing. Here's a question for you. So CTO sure. confidence to be able to. So if you, uh, a company that has business, they have a team that with a system and the, I see businesses as collections of systems. Okay. Yes, so you have, a, you have a, a system process that runs that creates product that which you then have a process that runs its markets and communicates the message to the world, which you then have a process that runs that converts through a sales pipeline, which then generates money and then that's like your overall, then you have this big system and then you have to have a positive feedback loop where the yeah. amount that goes in, right, is greater than, the, right? So you have to have a positive feedback loop. So the, the, the system, you have processes at your business and systems that yeah. run little programs that run inside your business that for each important part. Yeah. So if you want to achieve something, you specifically create a system for it and then you monitor the output of it. Right. Did this, how many stories did you produce or like how many commits came out or how many features made it to production? Because we're not paid to write code. You're paid to ship code. Right. <laughs> so paid to make people happy. Aw, no, I got warm and fuzzy inside. Well, that is true. We're paid to bring product, when, you're, when you're consumer product, that's you really, that's what you're going for. Yeah. Yeah. So having a system to generate more Collins would be a good system to have at your company. Yeah, and it's not. I don't. So yeah, you can you can distill it down into a pipeline of how to get there. But there's really, I'd be interesting to see what your steps are to kind of. I don't want to say what is the equation, but what are yeah. kind of the general steps you guys are looking at, or you guys think are the, are the ways to develop those people. It's pretty simple. So if the question is, how do you develop them? A lot of people ask that. There's lots of books. There's lots of stuff. But the if you teach, give the people the option then the people who want to be leaders will exercise the option. The people who don't will ignore it. It's pretty simple. 
because right now there's, there's two scenarios. There's a scenario where you don't have a path to leadership at your company where you could say, Hey, everybody, if you want to become a leader, learn these skills, exercise these skills, use this system. And this will show me how you progress through leadership. And then we will move you into leadership roles. And here is the direct and specific and clear path to leadership within this organization. And if you want more, here's the answer. Raise your hand. If you want more, half the people raise their hand. They want more. We're humans. That's how we work. And then well, you yeah. And then you let them go down the path and the ones who are consistent and, and desire more, they will go down that path and you'll be able to instantly like filter out everybody and see who, who wants it. And the people who don't won't, and that's perfect. And so you have that system. Now, if somebody's quiet, like you're quiet, you're a leader. Now you're a CTO. You made it all the way to CTO. And you told me that there's this whole group, all these CTOs who are quiet and introverted you were still you and you still have that leader inside of you when you were a junior engineer somewhere, right? Whether that company developed you or not is their gain or loss. If they don't develop and you see an opportunity to go lead or go up somewhere else, you're going to take that. You have taken it. And now you're the CTO of this company. Correct. Correct. You have those people inside of your team working for you today. So now the question is, do you develop them and resource them to be great leaders inside of your company and grow your company or do you just go on and let it be Wednesday and eventually they'll leave and go become leaders and their CTOs of their own somewhere down the path in the next three to five years. And this is the, this is yeah. the problem that we set out to solve. Yeah. The, the thing I'm getting phone calls from CTOs saying, Hey, I keep getting people leaving. They're doing startups. <laughs> they're, they're going off and engineering the next great thing with someone like, how do we get people to stay? Well, what path do you have that says, if you want more, you're here. Think about the people in your team right now. You should have a conversation with them. And you should come up with some word document or something in the, after this call or on your plane ride that says, if you want more at the company, here's the path to more, because right now you don't have that door open. And when you don't have that door open, the clearest path to more is a recruiter tapping them on the shoulder and say, Hey, your job title says junior developer. This job title has $40,000 more and says senior developer. I think you want more. And they hype them up and they convince them to go from A to B and they profit in between. But if they said, oh, no, 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 no. I have, I have a path over here. I'm actually doing something. I'm working towards something. I'm investing in myself and I'm working on these skills and I'm going up inside this organization. And me doing that is actually going to make this organization better. Plus, I like everybody here. Well, now you have a clear path. They have something there. If you're playing a video game and you don't know that you're going to the next level, you're just running around, playing around in the current level in the lobby or something, right? Yeah. You don't, you're just There's messing around. Time. But if you're... Yeah. There's no incentive, but if you're on a quest, you want to complete that quest. You want to make it to the top. So where's the, what's the carrot? Yeah. Um, do you guys take anything into account when it comes to like interviewing people for this? Oh, I thought you were going to ask if we take cash or check. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. That after. No, I'm joking. Um, say, ask me again. Isn't your material kind of geared towards also identifying this at the interview process? Hmm. How do you mean? So identifying those, being able to look for those skills when, or look for those, those attributes and people during the interview process so that you're kind of being a little bit more deliberate in your hiring process. Like growing your leaders inside is really important. As you're growing a team, you want to be also bringing in, you want to stack the deck in your favor, I guess to bring people into your organization that kind of have those skills, like have the attributes for those skills as well. Is that something you guys are looking 
So that's a good point because your team is like the pie chart again, where you're not going to, not everyone's leader. So you're going to need the people that are interested in mastering their craft. Yep. People interested in being the best at Ruby or the best at whatever platform you're yep. using. And then that would be like more of an individual contributor mastery path. But here's the thing at different points in your life, you transition back and forth. Yeah. So there was a point in time where you wanted to be the best programmer in the world on some specific language. You wanted to know everything about the language, how everything worked. And you know, that moment when you learn how documentation works and you're like, Oh man, this stuff's useful. I can read documentation now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, documentation peaked at the man page. <laughs> <laughs> I'll at wall you about it later. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, that's good. So how you balance your teams is actually something that I've been looking a lot at too, because, you know, when you have a child, some people want to go more into the mastery of their craft because they want to spend, they just want to be really, really good and concentrated at their nine to five. But then they're, they get hungry when their hit kid hits two, three, four, five. And now they want to like level up to a senior VP or whatever it may be. So being able to watch how your team is balanced and stuff, that's a good one. If it comes up enough, it would definitely... We could probably make a pie chart on it now based on who engages with the leadership content. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what about helping actually helping leaders being able to, be able to identify those characteristics during the interview process? And, that, and this is a good... Um, so specifically... You mean during an interview process, yeah. identifying leaders, hmm, how would you do that? That's yeah. the question? That's the question. I would go around and talk to 20 CTOs, do research through the past thousand hours of content we have, and really answer that question and boil it down to three or four things. If you seek, you'll find. That's how life yes. works. Research a problem, yeah. you'll find out the answer. You test it, you refine it. And here's the, here's the core attribute of a leader that I believe exists in every single great leader. It may exist in, it may not exist in mediocre leaders, but in every great leader, I believe that individual is continuously learning and always striving to be better. Yes. And if you provide them a repository of useful information to do that, and that you would, they would actually get points for doing it and you would, able, it would they would be able to show off their leadership skills and be able to progress down a path. They, that's the person in school that you know is going to do the extra credit. You, that's the person you want. You don't want the people who are doing just enough to get by. You want the person who's trying to do more. But is that an intrinsic or extrinsic motivator? Because rewards, oh, so points, that kind of turns, that can very careful, very easily turn into an extrinsic motivator, which is not what well, you want. So the system was structured based on Nier's book, Hooked, uh, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. And it actually okay. satisfies both the intrinsic and extrinsic reward value system. So the individuals will look at it in an intrinsic way of mastery of their leadership skills, while some will look at it as an extrinsic way, as a way to get points. And people will actually flip back and forth based on their mood and what and how their structure of their life is. So not everybody's always intrinsic or always extrinsic. And so we designed the system to satisfy both needs. I've been meaning to read that book for a while. It's been, I think it's been on my bookshelf for a while. I just haven't got to it. I've been really enjoying uh, Ben, Ben Horwitz's hard thing about hard things. Oh yeah. That, one, that is a fun, fun read. Step one is just like doing them. That's like, it's a one page book. (laughs) No, no, it's, it's a, it's a fun story of, of all the things that kind of went wrong for, um, loud cloud. 
Oh, cool. It was a, it's a really interesting kind of war story and all the things that kind of just went wrong and all the ways that you can just get through it. Push through. Push through. Um, and all the, just the lessons you saw and all the problems you ran into. Like just the hard thing about hard things. Like when you're faced against like a do or die situation, where do you turn? Like how do you know where to turn to go to keep on fighting the next day? Yeah. Like when you're facing like bankruptcy in a month, what do you kind of do? Which is an interesting, which is an interesting idea and an interesting kind of lesson, I think. I loved his quotes about um, stop, stop uh, shooting silver bullets, start shooting lead. That is one of my all-time oh. favorite quotes from the book. Okay, and why? Because it's like so in the scenario, like in the in the problem they're having, all the engineers were kind of trying to pitch him just silver bullets on how to tweak the product or like downsize the product, or like pivot the product into like a different niche market or like kind of just what is the silver bullet trying to get us out of this problem? And like his, I, I don't remember who he got the quote from, but he got the quote from somebody else. Mm-hmm. And it was, no, we have an amazing product. We're losing in the industry, not because our product sucks or because the market's wrong. It's just our product, our product just isn't there. And we need to really just start shooting lead bullets. We just really need to start hitting it at the park and just double down on what we're doing, focus on the product, re-engineer it, retool it for what we're doing. Cause there's, there's success here. We're just, we're just failing. And so that stuck with you because that resonated true with your experience. Yeah. Because it's just, That's... you, when you're losing in a market or you're losing in a, in a, in a product, sometimes you just, you just have to fight for it. You just have to keep fighting and really figure out what, where you're weak, where you're weak in your product, why you're losing out on bids, why you're losing out on customer acquisition, why users are kind of just falling off. Like don't, don't pivot and just try to like put it into a niche market, kind of focus on like just winning this market. Cause this is, this is the market you're in. Persistence. There's a story of persistence. Yeah, I guess yeah. that is a better way of saying it. It is just the story of persistence. Yeah. And we want to hear that story like a hundred different ways to keep it in front of us. Yeah. Well, you have, Hard to work seven times. you have to hear something seven times before you believe it's true. Like you, a reinforcement is one of the best, the best things. Yeah. Watching a child grow up is like unbelievable because that's very true with them. They just, you can go surprise them a thousand times. <laughs> It's like you you would say the the knee jerk reaction is to say, Oh no, I get things first time. It's like, well, you've been around here on earth a long time. So Mm -hmm. these things have been really impressed upon you. So people want to find out more about you, LinkedIn or Twitter, where do you hang out? I'm both I'm active on both. LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, I'm easy to find. Uh on Twitter it's G S Everding and on LinkedIn it's just Garrett Everding. Excellent. And the most, the quickest advice other than hiring more call-ins or converting your existing people to more call-ins that you'd give to yourself 10 years ago, what would that be? Would it be the silver bullets thing? Uh, 10 years ago, I think I was just starting university. Uh, yeah. Silver bullets, persistence, really fighting through, fighting through the hard times. I think that's the best lesson. Sticking with something, hands down the best thing you can do. Because sometimes it's, it's going to look darkest for the dawn. <sighs> you're, you're like a beautiful poet. Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> People don't say I'm, I, I don't usually think myself good with words for that way. So yeah. thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you would like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.